Hello and welcome to episode 69 of Artsy Fartsy Immigrants. I had a little bit of a late start today. You know, you guys can't tell this, but when we do record these things, we tend to make schedules for ourselves. We tend to say, okay, you know what? You know what, Jordan? At two o'clock, you're going to sit down, you're going to lay down that podcast, and you're going to send it off and be done by, I don't know, 3.30. But... Life is what happens when you're busy making plans, as they say. And my microphone arm on my desk decided that it had come to life and was going to be making its own decisions from now on. And I could just imagine now that if I hadn't wrestled it down and literally taped and nailed it into the position that it is now, that it would be having its own podcast called Why I Hate That Guy That Spits On Me. Anyway, guys, this is Artsy Fartsy Immigrants, and as you can probably tell, I am writing solo yet again this week. Um, I just want to start off by saying that if you enjoy the show and you haven't already checked out the episode that we did last week with Morgan Wood, uh, the drag queen from London who is currently living in Berlin, then you still can. It's not only an audio episode, the previous episode on the list wherever you found this show, but it's also uh, on our new YouTube channel. Um, So the YouTube, every time I say the YouTube, I feel like I'm aging rapidly. Like Like if you sped up, if you reversed the film Benjamin Button and you did it really fast, I feel, I feel like that every time I say the YouTube. But I mean, with YouTube, you have to have a hundred subscribers to create your own distinct um, URL, and we're not quite there yet. And it might be some time before we do. So until then, you can go to um, our Instagram, and we have a link in the bio which takes you directly to the YouTube link. And we also have clips up, and we're going to be cutting that show into some segments. And <clears throat> as much as I would love to be bringing you a second video episode this week. Unfortunately, very, very unfortunately, we are not able to do that because the station, the M94.5 station has been rented out for some project. And Mo is hella busy doing his own thing as well um, for the station. So we just can't do it this week, but it does not mean that the Morganwood episode was a simple experiment and that it's over now. No, no, no. It's definitely something we intend to keep pushing. So go ahead, check out our YouTube. We also have a TikTok now, which I've made some clips for from the show, and Instagram, of course, and Facebook, and all that jazz. It's all up now. And we have a Twitter, which is also a weird thing to, to be making in 2021. It feels like, man... Creating a new Twitter account in 2021 must be what it feels like to be 57 years old opening a Facebook account. It's just kind of like, oh, you know what? I'm happy to kind of be in the game, but I feel really late. Like I've missed a lot and I don't know that I can catch up or that I want to catch up. Also, before we jump into everything, I want to say that 
It should be this week. It might even be the, the moment that you're listening to this. But our good friend and big fan of this show, Moritz Binder, who um, we talked to on a couple of episodes ago. It's called Our Greatest Fan. You can check out that episode. Um, he's also the lovely gentleman who created Artsy Fartsy Immigrants coffee mugs for us to use for our video premiere. And we used that. So um, he uh, and his lovely, lovely wife, um, who I'm also good friends with, are having their second beautiful daughter this week. And it's probably happening right now. So Moritz, if you're able to listen to this, wherever you are, I hope that everything's going well. And I cannot wait to see this little angel and to learn her name because it's been kind of a secret and I'm very excited to know. Um, I'm going to throw some guesses out there. It's probably Jordan with a U. Um, it's probably going to be, um, I don't want to th- be too outlandish here. I'm going to go ahead and guess Jordina, Jordania. We did make a joke that if the baby was born on Cinco de Mayo, that they would call her Margarita. And I still really hope that happens. <laughs> I um, I knew a, when, when I used to work at this um, Grundschule in Munich, this elementary school, there was a little girl named Margarita. And she was so sweet. So it is, for those wondering, a very real name and not just a delicious beverage that I'm maybe not enjoying right now. Mm. So lots of big news. Lots of things have been happening in the last couple of weeks, and I'd like to start off with a little update on the episode I did, I guess it was the one just before Morgan, called Sidelights and the Stare. And I've we've had, oh, here's the thing, if you enjoy the show, we've had some grand complaints, <laughs> not grand complaints, we've had complaints and we, and on the other side, we've had way more compliments, um, which is kind of a funny thing when you make a show to see what the um, sorry microphone is doing it again um, to see what the balance is between compliment and uh, criticism is really funny. And for shows like the sidelight episode too, it's really um, <laughs> it's really interesting to see how people react to things like that when I rant on and on and talk about driving school. Um, so you should check that one out if you haven't. And if you didn't like it, if you were one of the critics of that episode, don't change the channel just yet because I'm not going to go off the rails. I just want to give a little update that on Monday, May the 3rd, I took my third and thankfully final driving test. I finally did it. I finally... Finally, finally took a driver's test, a theory, driver's theory test, and I passed it. And here's the thing. I told the story about the last episode. On that last episode, I told you about how on that test, I was so confident. I was like, I did it. I passed it. All these other guys are nervous. This is no problem for me. And it was so embarrassing to see that I missed those two questions. For this one, I was so uncertain I was so completely uncertain because, you know, when you, when you have that much confidence in something and you still fail, 
it just kind of shatters your belief in yourself. So for this one, I sat there and went through all the questions. By the way, the total number of questions you have to have memorized for a a test like this is 1,135 questions. When I was a kid, when I was like a teen learning, I think it was more like 50 or 100 questions. I think here in Germany, this of the same generation, I think it was like 300 questions you had to, you had to know. And so, you know, it's easy. You just, you know, you memorize the, memorize the information, use flashcards, you know, you get it, you get adjusted, you, you memorize it. And here, I mean, I tried to do that, but that's why I kept getting so confused and so held back with things because you have to know 1,135 questions and that's just madness. That's just insane. So, um, but I took the test and was very, very, very nervous the whole time. Very nervous the whole time. I basically checked everything three or four times. And when I hit that, you know, calculate test results button, I just, I just didn't know for sure. I, I really, I had a lot of doubt because there was still some tricky questions. I mean, they, somehow I studied 1,135 questions and I still came across like two new variations on the questions I had studied, like just with one alternative, you know, idea. And I just couldn't believe it. I just couldn't believe, um, how, how tricky they make it and how complicated they make it. But anyway, I passed it and I passed it with zero mistakes, which is also kind of cool that I had, I was so nervous and so worried and stuff. And then I passed it with 100% accuracy and that felt really good. That felt really good. And I just remember sitting there and seeing only green. Oh, and seeing finally this past, that was such a relief. That just felt amazing. Funny thing though, that instructor for that test was such a racist. He was such an asshole. He was letting everyone come in. And then this Indian guy came up there and he was like, I'd like to take the test in English. And he showed his passport and the guy looked at the passport and he was like, um, what did he say? He's like, oh, this is expired. We don't accept it. And the guy was like, oh no, you don't understand. Like this is, this is the, the passport that just expired. But here I have this official form from, I guess from this, from the passport people, I, I'm losing all my words this week, but like the government office that issues passports, he's like, look, this is from them. It's stamped and signed and it's, it validates that you know, this is who I am until I get the new passport. And he's like, yeah, but this piece of paper doesn't have a picture on it. So I can't prove that that's you. And the one that does have a picture of you is expired. So, and the guy's like, no, but look, they're, they're, they have the same information my, my height and the address is like, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I was like, there's no picture. I can't do it. We have to have a picture here. He's like, you can just go get, just go get another one. And the guy was like, go where? And he was, the German guy was like, you know, you go to the place where you get the, passports. You have to get a new one. Then you can come back. And it was so mean. He was so strict with this guy. And the dude, he, I mean, it's exactly something I would have done. I would have absolutely had a, something that was expired by a week or something, and then had a form that validated it. And probably, 
probably I would have been in his shoes, but I think because I'm white, it probably would have, he probably would have let me through. I mean, I've seen, I've been in three tests now, and these guys are so brutal to the Indian guys that walk in there. It's really, they were, they've always been very sharp and snappy and kind of crude to, yeah, all these guys. It's, it's really ridiculous. I don't get it. He was bitter and snappy with him. And then there was this Russian dude who, so there was like a teenage girl next to me. And then across the table was this Russian guy and he raised his hand. He's like, excuse me, my test says that I'm applying for the B and the A driver's license. And you're supposed to just be applying for B. And he's like, I just want to change, make sure it's right. And the guy's like, eh, yeah, yeah, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. So me and the girl and the guy were looking at each other like, hmm, that's weird. Why is he so, like, why is he so uh, despondent and like bitter about just making sure you have the right test? And so we thought, well, maybe he just didn't really get it. So the girl was German and she's like, I'm going to ask him in German. So she raises her hand and she's like, in German, she says, I'm sorry. It's just, he, he, what he's trying to say is that his, his screen says this and this, and he only needs to be taking the B and he needs to get it changed. And the guy was like, yeah, it's fine. It's all the same questions. Don't worry about it. It's no big deal. And so that's what she tells him. She's like, okay, it's, I guess it's the same questions. I guess it's going to be fine. And I was really staring at this guy. I mean, first he had screamed and like verbally abused this poor Indian boy who was like obviously just trying to, well, I mean, I shouldn't say boy. I mean, I guess he was like in his twenties, but he just seems so beaten down by this dude. And then this Russian guy is just trying to ask questions and he wasn't even, he was really afraid to ask anything. He was just really shy and this guy could have been much nicer. And then finally, when he's, instructing the class on what to do, the Russian guy raises his, his hand again. He stands up in his seat, actually, and he's like, I'm sorry, but my screen is making me, it's a different test than what I need to take. Please, can you just please change it to uh, class B? And then in front of everyone, the guy finally goes, oh, yeah, all right, all right. And then walks over to the computer to give him the correct test that he's paying to take that he studied for. How crazy is that? That's so crazy to me. But yeah, I hope that, I hope that dude passed. I hope, I hope the Indian guy came back later the same day and passed. And I hope the Russian guy passed and hope everybody passed because it sucks. I mean, it's tricky enough. It's tricky enough. You don't really need to have people be that rude and that, you know, it, we don't need it. The world needs less of that. But I was very happy to finally pass that test. And now all I have to do is take this practical exam to, um, I just have to drive around with this guy for like 30 or 40 minutes or something. And then finally, I'll have that ever so precious piece of paper. And then I can drive. My brother sent me a text and he said, watch out Audubon. That's right. <clears throat> Speaking of driving really fast, <laughs> I have recently gotten into this show. I guess it was an ESPN show, and now it's um, a Netflix program. There's three seasons, which which is wild to to find a show, and then you like all that you don't know what a show is, and all of a sudden you find that there's like multitudes of seasons. Uh, there's three seasons, and it's called. Um, what's it called? Formula One 
Drive to Survive, I think. And it's it's so cool. <laughs> it's so cool. It's you know when you're in a, well, like when you're an American, um, unless you're really into racing, you don't really know too much about Formula One, um, or at least I didn't because we have NASCAR, and I was never in, interested in NASCAR at all. Um, but you know, you hear stories like, oh, you know, in NASCAR, you you know they go so fast and the engines are so loud and it's really exciting to be there. It's probably just boring to watch on TV. And you know, a few of the famous people like you know Dale Earnhardt. And, junior and I think that's the only only driver that I ever knew and then there's formula one which is like the sexy sultry clean and rich European style of racing which is a completely different kind of car and I'm not even interested in cars so if you're also not interested in cars I don't I don't think I'm going to say anything that bores you here but it's just, it, it looks like really souped up go-karts. They're really flat, wide cars with t- very smooth tires. And they, you know, they, they have like 500 million euro engines in there. And they just, <laughs> they just fly, you know? It's crazy. It's really crazy. The good thing about the show is that they show the inner workings of the drama and the politics and the, the journeys of the drivers and it shows their personalities and it shows the pressure and and responsibility on them. It shows their, their competitiveness and you start to get to know these guys and you start to like them. There's a few of them where you, you know, you, they, they really, they, they tell the story like a film where you're like, this is a good guy. This is a bad guy. When, when, if you're just watching the sport on television, you just see people in cars racing. You don't really have a story. And this is so much story. You get to see like, Oh, here's the guy who's funding that team uh, the Williams team, he's a billionaire from Canada, but his only stipulation was that his son has to be a race car driver and his son isn't that good. And it really puts all this pressure on the team when he's not picked to win and stuff. And then there's like the Force India team who has this, you know, outlaw billionaire from the, from the was it the billionaire bad boy club of India? And he's in, like exiled in every other country except for the UK. So he can only go to that one Formula One race, you know, every year. And yeah, you have the, um, the Red Bull guy who, who, who you know, like battled with, with, with Daniel Ricardo and uh, Max Verstappen, who, you know, competitively tried to, you know, hit Ricardo and ruin the team. It's crazy. Like you, you don't care about the racing, but you get so invested in the people that the racing just amplifies it. And it's really cool. It's really cool. I never thought that I would get into that. And now, like, I can't wait to keep watching it. It's one of those shows where I'm like, this is good. This is really well made. And I suggest to just give it a try. Give it a try. Because I don't care about cars and I don't care about racing. But if you like good storytelling and good, like, documentary filmmaking, like, it's just, you're just so invested in who they are that when they... When they race and you see these crazy, the speeds they're, I mean, they're going um, upwards of 300 and something kilometers an hour. They're going like 280 miles an hour on the straight shots. And and to see the inner workings of how big their teams are, to see how much money goes into it, it's just absolutely insane. It's insane. But 
Yeah, that's the newest thing that's come across my radar in a while. And I've really, I've just really been obsessing. <laughs> I've just really been obsessing. Yeah. Okay. So there's, there's a big topic that I wanted to talk about on the show today. And I think I've just been kind of dancing around this um, third exam um, news and this formula one stuff, just cause I, I kind of didn't want to get to it, but then I kind of do. And I think it's just healthy to talk about it, but, um, man, I've really been, I wouldn't say I've been going through like a kind of crisis. I wouldn't say it's a crisis, but I've been really dissecting my own, um, future regarding music. It's really been, it's really been, an, and the thing is, I have to start, <laughs> I have to start somewhere, and I guess it's best to start with that I have to keep in mind that the world is very different right now, that the world is just very different, and perhaps not seeing any of my close friends and family in two years, not traveling anywhere, not performing or feeling motivated to write anything or whatever in a long time is probably playing a huge factor in this. So I have to keep that in mind. But here I am, 30 years old, and I have this new, um, I apologize a little bit for the dry mouth I have. Um, there's this, you know, my new album, Simple Swimmer, is currently in manufacturing, right? So that means that the songs are done and mastered and finished completely. And they are, the artwork is done, all the final specifications of what the CD will look like and everything. It's all done. And manufacturing means that it's in a factory in Munich being, you know, burned onto a disc and the cases are being printed and everything's getting ready to be shipped over to me. And somehow, somewhere in the middle of this process, I had kind of an epiphany where I thought like, is this still something that I'm willing to chase as aggressively and hungrily as I have been for the past 15 years? Is this, you know, is music really something that should have always been a hobby for me? And the thing is, in the last two years, what I've made the most money from has been from doing, I mean, not from doing this show, I wish that would change, but from doing, um, yeah, like radio work. You know, after I left this, you know, I always had day jobs. I worked at these restaurants and these cafes, and then I had this job at the school, and that was good. Still didn't f fulfill me totally. I think I, I'll never really be fulfilled until I'm in a place close close to where I am now where I don't really have a boss. I think I was never good um, handling a boss. Um, of, no, of no boss's fault. I mean, there's one or two shitty bosses out there, but I'm just not someone who's great working um, under a boss. And without certain, you know, certain control. Anyway, the point is, I always had these jobs to fund my, if you, if you think of m my musical career <laughs> as like a heroin habit, then I've kind of been 
working all these jobs and putting family and friends second in my life to fulfill this heroin habit. You know, I've put my relationships second, even currently. I've put friendships and I've put um, my time and everything, my, my, my own happiness, I've put it all second so that I could put this desire to make a living as a musician my all-time goal to make it my thing. I mean, I even, you know, I even have these, like, not a vision board, but I, you know, I have this drawing on my wall that I drew in 2016 of me standing on the stage at Royal Albert Hall. That's, like, my dream, you know, to play this beautiful venue where, the, where everyone has played. And it's been my dream for a long time to do that. And now during this last year or so, I had this epiphany where I thought, is, is this still something I'm willing to um, go after this hard when I really don't get back even close to what I put into it? I've spent thousands of dollars on not only musical equipment. I mean, the equipment is something I, I use and that's, that's, that means something to me, but I've put money into, you know, producing the content, hiring, hiring musicians, hiring studios, uh, paying for the manufacturing of the product, paying, you know, a publicist or a booking agent or um, a collection agency for ads, for promo, you know, I've been, I've put all this money into it to try and make it like a, to, to try and get somewhere with it. You know, I mean, you have to put money into it. It's, that's the thing. It's such a draining business because you, you have to put so much money into it and you can only kind of hope that something clicks and, all that money I've put into it all this time, just the pure numbers of what I've gotten back, just not even a fraction, you know, make up that effort. And then so, you know, I, I have to think about, is it, um, is it just, am I just one of those people who had this dream and made the effort made a lot of effort, but just doesn't really have what it takes. I really wonder about that. So maybe I have to be a bit more um, specific. Like, I have, like I said, I've put all this money into it, which is only part of it. I've had the, the passion for it. I've, I've written the songs. I've made the effort, tried to better myself as a musician tried to network as much as I could, tried to collaborate with people, tried to, you know, make a name for myself as a musician, I mean. And I've just never really, like the the attention to the songs, the attention to the videos was just never what I 
would have hoped for it. I mean, if I think about 12 songs for 12 friends, I mean, it kind of flopped, you know? And that record was a huge, huge undertaking for me. That record was a huge effort. The most effort I've ever made on anything ever. And, you know, we've got several hundred records just sitting in my basement, you know? It's crazy. It just, it just never, I mean, I think I was, I thought I was too big for my britches probably back in 2018. And now, you know, now it's been two years or now it's been three years, have this new album coming. And, you know, what I wanted to do was I wanted to, to have this huge shipment for 12 songs. And then I wanted to have to double it for this record. And it's been the exact opposite I bought like one third of the quantity of records for this record than I did for than I did for twelve songs, just because I straight up um, just don't believe that I'll sell them. And you know, I see the the pre order. Um, I see the amount of people that have pre ordered, and of course, it's very nice. But also, just a fraction of what I wanted, you know. And I think I have to stop. Like, I have to stop trying to trick myself. I think I have to stop trying to trick myself into thinking that this is something I can actually do. And I don't mean to... I don't mean that I think I should stop playing music. I mean, it's fun for me, and if someone wants me to play, then that's a that's an honor, and that's I'd love to. But I think I have to stop chasing it as as like the one thing that will make me happy, if that makes sense. Because the money I've made in the last year or two from doing my, my Ego FM show, from doing voiceover narration work for um, this, this agency, um, doing uh, hosting things for Sony... Sony asked me to do some hosting jobs and, you know, like hosting and voice work and radio, like that's fun. And it's still, you know, it's still with my name and I get a lot of creative control and it's a lot of work that I can do from home and it pays well. And that's the kind of thing that that I've been trying to make out of music, that it's something I can do and make money from. And it's just not, I mean, the, the Spotify, there is no Spotify money, you know, and there is no, um, SoundCloud money and there is no, you know, YouTube monetization. There is no TikTok money or Instagram money. Like there's just not. And I see people who in my completely honest opinion, just are terrible, average, boring musicians. And they just dominate. They just dominate the the radio circuit in Germany and in America. I mean, worldwide, you know, they dominate. And you see their name everywhere in the charts, everyone's top playlist of the month, and I'm not talking about the majors. I'm not talking about like Billie Eilish or Dua Lipa or Justin Bieber. I mean, these people are always going to be in the top because they blew up so much. I mean, like 
bands that maybe last year were just around my level of people knowing, you know, like almost nothing. And then just being so, so boring and so average and so something you've heard a million times already. And it just works. Then they just get really successful. And then they're on, you know, 35, 50 city tours selling out merchandise, apologizing, sorry, we ran out of hats. We're trying to get those back on the page. You know, and it's just, it's good for them, but I think it's the wrong business for me. I think I have to start seeing that for myself as like, I'm not like a thin, beautiful 20-year-old boy with a shock of, you know, like perfect hair who um, can just wear, you know, straight cut denim jeans with white shoes and a baggy t-shirt and just sell a million records. It just isn't in my, it just isn't in my future. And I don't know, you know, how things will look for me in five years. I mean, especially with Corona, I mean, there's no chance for anything right now. And I just wonder if maybe I've been wasting my time trying to find joy in my life through, through music, or if I should try to find like a a higher standard of living elsewhere and let music be what it was when I started, which was just like fun and therapeutic. I was, you know, turning down jam sessions, turning down you know, like, well, oh, bring your guitar over. We'll, we will hang out. And I, I was always turning that down. I was like, no, I'm a professional musician. I'm not gonna, you know, sit at this open mic and strum some chords along with your song that we're making up. And st- like, I was getting so pretentious with how I saw myself as a musician in the Germany music scene because I had like one tour five years ago, you know? It's crazy. It's crazy where I saw myself. And probably I was also motivated to see myself in a certain light because of the manager that I had. I think he also thought that I would be someone who could, you know, blow up. But um, I think I had a window. I think in 2017, I had a window. I played all these great festivals. And I think... I think that would have been the chance for something bigger to happen for me. If someone would have seen these concerts or, you know, if just the right person would have seen one show, maybe I would have gotten like a deal or an offer for something. And I just didn't. And now it's been five years. And I know that the last year and a half is kind of an exception to the rule because of Corona and stuff. But still... You know, I'm about to drop this record st- like mid-pandemic still. Of course, there's vaccinations and things are planned for people for next year and later this year, but I think I'm going to drop this record in June and I really don't think that that many people are going to listen to it. And I'm not, look, I'm really, I'm not asking you to write me a message and say, you're doing great. I love your songs. Like, because I know the 
I don't know. I know the 30 people that listen to this show anyway. Like I know that my mom probably doesn't like hearing this stuff or that, um, you Moritz, you know, that you think I'm, maybe I'm acting crazy right now, but, um, I've really been putting a lot of thought into this and I, I think I've just kind of been lying to myself and maybe music just is like a hobby. And if I can get hired to make some music for, um, you know, an image film or an advertisement to make, you know, to collaborate with friends who want to do something with their project, that's great. That's cool. It is fun to do that. But I think competing with others and comparing myself to like comparing myself to these tweeny bop indie jerk offs who don't even know, like, you know, comparing myself and judging these people and stuff is I'm tired of it. And that's just what people are into. And I think I just have to accept that and try and find a place for myself a, a amongst that, you know, whether, whether that means like hosting shows or, you know, cause I still like to entertain. And I think that's something that I do well on here and on the ego show. And maybe there's more entertainment uh, avenues for me down the road, but I don't think that being a real like quote unquote musician is ever going to do anything for me. I don't think I'm really, this is the first time where I think maybe it's just not the right. I, and, and you know, the crazy thing is I'm sitting here telling you this and in the back of my head, my brain is saying that maybe if I say this, then, um, you know, then maybe something will change. Like, oh, you know, if you, if you tell them that you want to quit, you know, playing music, then, you know, maybe that'll be the moment when something changes and someone will hear it. And then, you know, you'll get all these things that you wanted your whole life. And it's funny because I'm still trying to trick my brain, like as I say this, but I, I really think I, I, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't quit music. I, I would still, I still, it's, it's in me to write songs and it's in me to have melodies and to think of songwriting and stuff. So I don't think that I, I could ever just quit. I don't think that I would ever want to just quit. But I don't think that I can really see it as a career anymore. I think I would just um, try and have fun. And just, you know, if um, if me and uh, 10 people listen to the songs, well, it honestly just wouldn't change too much from how it is now. So for me, it would be more about like just having a creative outlet as opposed to trying to make a career. That's what I should be. That's what I should be saying. That's how I should be looking at it. This would just be music would become a creative outlet alone, full stop, as opposed to trying to use music as a vehicle for a career. And it's been really hard to think about that. It's been really hard to come to that conclusion and to take myself seriously when I say it as well. It's really weird. And maybe you're going to ask um, what brought me to this conclusion. 
And honestly, I don't know. I think it was seeing this list of pre-orders on the wall and seeing um, the views from the the videos that we've put out for this new album and looking at the bills of, you know, the cost for the promotional content and the cost to manufacture the CDs. And I really just think that it must've just piled on all at once. Like, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? Why are you spending all this money making CDs when you could record you could record this stuff from home and just release it yourself. And it wouldn't matter if the quality was slightly less or whatever, because you're not going to get paid for it either way. So do I spend thousands of euros making a high quality studio album that I get no money for? Or should I just make some demos from home and put them on SoundCloud or something or, or, you know, do an iPhone video and put it on YouTube and just let it go like that because that's, that's you know, the same thing. And I just feel dumb doing the first one now. And maybe, maybe I'm meant to have a career in entertainment and maybe I just always thought it was going to be music, but maybe it's hosting. Maybe it's, maybe it's moderating, you know. Maybe it's maybe radio ends up becoming more of a thing for me. Maybe it ends up having a bigger show. I don't know. I just started putting these German word videos on YouTube, and maybe I could, you know, expand this this Instagram. I hate to use the word Instagram success with these German words because there's no money. I think success is kind of attributed to can you make a living from it. Um, but maybe this like attention to the German word videos could be something, maybe I could expand it and make something else on YouTube. I don't know. But for now, I think what I want to do is I just want to get this record printed and I want to still just put a smile on and, you know, do the routine, talk to the, I don't know, two or three people that might want to ask me something about the record. Um, enjoy the two weeks or one week of, you know, a couple of songs being on the radio. And, um, you know, ship out these handful of pre-orders to the kind people that that did it, that ordered it. And then just, you know, pack up the rest and put them in a box in the basement with the others. And then just maybe take a break. Maybe I'll just take a break from it. I mean, at least until Corona is over. I don't even really look at my Spotify numbers anymore. Like I used to, even last year, every single morning I would open up my computer and I would look at the Spotify numbers. And I realize now that it's been like three weeks. I checked them today and of course it's, you know, it's whatever, you know, it's the same. It's the same as this band of guys that I knew in high school who are all almost 40 
and they have the same numbers as me, and I really don't think they write songs well at all. I think they're a bad band. And here I am having the same kind of outcome as them. (laughs) And I always looked at them as like failures. And then that's me in the same, I'm in the same boat. It's like, dude, I don't want to be one of those 40-year-old guys who thinks that he's about to break it. I don't have the, I don't have that rich daddy or rich mommy or rich grandpa situation where I can just, um, where I don't have to pay rent or car insurance or something, you know? Like I do have to pay for my life. And I think when you have that kind of pressure, then what you're doing to make it is really affected by the, by the outcome, you know? So I think things definitely have to change. I'm just not really sure how they have to change, but but that's my idea, at least, is to, um, yeah, put this out and then enjoy the the week or two that there's some attention on it, and then just take a break. And if a nice concert comes up and I want to do it, then I'll go play it. And if someone wants to ask me a question about the songs, I'll answer them. But otherwise, I guess I'm just going to keep focusing on what's bringing in money and also also making me happy in a very different way, which is um, the you know the the radio show and the the hosting jobs. And of course, I'm going to continue doing this show because, as you can probably tell from this episode this podcast means a lot to me and whether or not we have, you know, 10,000 episodes and it stays, you know, at the listener base that it's at with no money, I think I'll still always do it because it's, it's, it's always allowed me to be myself. And I think that's kind of, kind of priceless, man. Um, I don't want to end the show on such a sour note. So what I'm going to do is um, for those who don't have access to my Ego FM show on Sundays from 10 a.m. till 1 p.m., I want to take a look through some of the Mother's Day stories that I have planned for that show. Um, so this Sunday is Mother's Day and... This um, this program that I'm going to do is a lot of stories about my mom, and I know that she can't hear that show because they don't put it on the Mediatek. So um, I can tell you. Let me look here. Um. Oh man. Well, <laughs> I remember. Um, I remember when I was a kid. And I don't remember how old I was, but I re- I was young enough to still be picked up from school by my mom in her car. And there was a day that I got into the car and she turned around in the driver's seat and she said, I have a surprise for you. And when you're a kid and you get told that you, there's a surprise from your mom or dad, you know, it's like super exciting. Any, you know, whatever it's going to be, a, 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 a treat, a candy, a soda, um, <laughs> you know, a game, whatever. It's always great. 
and she opened up this bag and she gave me a hardback cover of um, a copy of Huckleberry Finn from Mark Twain. And I still remember that a lot. And I think it encouraged me a lot to read as a kid. I mean, pretty soon after that, Harry Potter started coming out and I was reading it like a fiend. And I think Huckleberry Finn was kind of my first introduction into reading. And, you know, whether or not it's, I don't know how it would, how it, how it's aged now over time. I, I don't know. But um, as a kid, you know, getting, getting the gift of a book was pretty exciting and pretty sweet. And um, I'm going to reflect a lot on that on Sunday, but yeah, it was a really nice, I, I don't know if she knows that I remember that story, but I, I remember that moment, but I really do. And it was really cool. Um, here's a funny story. I used to think, <laughs> I used to think when I was a kid that, um, that I had like, that I had to be special. Like I was like, I know that something is special about me. And, you know, maybe it's connected to the fact that I, um, you know, I just pretty clearly from a young age didn't want to remain like a small town guy. I think I always wanted to, to go out and to, to see more things and to like, you know, see bigger cities and see more of the world and stuff. And I think when you're a kid, you know, that, um, that, that I want to say that crystallizes in other ways, but there's a perfect word that I'm just forgetting it, you know, it gets formed in other ways. And, um, one, one way that it kind of came out of me was that I thought I had superpowers all the time and I would keep doing really mundane things that I had never done before. And then thinking it was a superpower and then going up to my mom and then (laughs) telling her, and there's one particular one that I thought was funny, which is that I, I took baths as a kid and then I started taking showers and, um, the first time that you take a shower, you, you know, you might not be used to how the water runs off your body. And if you, if you have the water hitting your shoulder, you know, it makes trails and it runs down your arm and it runs to your hand. And if you have your hand in the right position, the water trails off of your fingers and it looks like it's shooting out of your fingers. And if you know how to move your fingers, right, you can switch fingers. So you can have the water shooting out of your pinky and then you move it and then it's in your ring finger and then out of your middle finger. And it, you can have them shooting out of every finger and it looks really cool. And when I was a kid, I remember doing that, moving the water from finger to finger. And I was like, oh, like I am like Aquaman. I, I can shoot water out of my hands. And I really had this, this, you know, this sort of awakening, like, oh man, you know, scientists are going to want to examine me. Uh, I'm, I'm a superhuman being. This must exact, you know, this has to be who, what, what, you know, why I'm special. This must be it. And, uh, my mom was sitting, we had this room connecting between her bedroom and the hallway bathroom. Um, that was kind of a mixture of things for a while. And I remember she was sitting in there, um, doing makeup, I, I guess she was sitting at this little, um, makeup mirror at least. And I walked in there and I was really scared. I was really prepared to tell her that, um, you know, now I have superpowers and, you know, uh, the government's going to come take me away. And, um, you know, I don't, I hope you can still love me. Like I came to her with all of that in my mind. So I was very serious. And I was like, mom. And she was like, yes, honey. And I said, I, I have superpowers. And she just turns in her chair and looks at me and goes, 
show me. <laughs> and I was like, well, I can't, I can't do it right now. I, I have to be underwater. And she goes, well, then it's not a superpower. And turns around and goes back to the makeup mirror. And that must have happened like five times where something would happen. Something small like that, like water running off my hand would make me think that I have superpowers. And then, yeah. And then it just wouldn't. Or she would shut it down really fast. And it was funny because she would, it would seem like she was supporting it at first. Like, show me. Well, come on, show me. What is it? And then, of course, I couldn't do it in the moment. Um, oh, What was another one? Well, I also just talk about like a lot of sweet things, you know. I talk about yeah, this Huckleberry Huckleberry Finn ugh, book. Um, I talk about how she used to really support me a lot as a kid when I started playing concerts. That you know, I thought the way to prepare for a concert was to I thought the way to warm up my voice was um, talking very loudly. So I would go stand in the kitchen and she would be across the house in the living room and we would talk really loudly to each other as if we were mad at each other, but we were just talking about what I did at school that day. And it would just be like, just talking really loud. Um, but she supported and she just did it. She was like, yeah, sure, let's do it. And that always meant a lot to me. And um, one of my favorite things ever was when she came to visit me in New Orleans and we we had a whole day together. It was amazing. We, you know, rode in the horse carriages in Jackson Square. And I think we went to the movies in Canal Place. We had beignets. And I think she had a po' boy. And that was a really fun day. That's one of my one of my most favorite memories. And it's actually still a picture in her house in Tennessee. And every time I see it, I think, oh, that was a great day. That was a really good one. So I think I'm going to end it a little shy of an hour today, but I want to say that um, I hope all of the mothers out there have a fantastic Mother's Day. To you, my own mother, I love you very much, and I'm very grateful to be your son, and you're a wonderful person, and I hope you have an amazing, amazing, amazing Sunday. Um, to Johanna, I hope you also have a great Mother's Day. And yeah, to all the mothers out there, thank you so much um, to Moritz's mom, Moritz, um, thank you for listening and thank you for having such a great son. And I hope everyone, all the moms in the world get treated the way they deserve on this Sunday. So thank you. I know that we had a kind of a, kind of a sloggy episode this time. I was a little bit tired and then also I had this whole thing about the music and, um, I don't want anyone to worry about me. Everything's cool. I just, I needed to talk about it. I needed to talk it out. And what better platform is there than podcasting? So I can just talk it out and think about these complex feelings, these very nuanced feelings. You know, it's not, something like that isn't very black and white for me. So it's good to have the show where I can just talk about it. So thank you for listening. And yeah, we should be back next week with another video episode. If not, then we will be audio as usual every week. That will never stop. Um, but at least I'm going to guess by the end of May, we'll have another video episode up. And until then, thank you as always for listening. We love you here at Artsy Fartsy Immigrants, and we will see you next week. Music
Artsy Farsi Immigrants, ein Podcast von John Prince und Moritz Batscheider, produziert für M94.5.